Welcome to episode 113. I am your host, Gail M. Davis, and this is Design Perspectives. Welcome to the Design Perspectives podcast. I am your host, Gail Davis. I will talk all things design from expectation to reality, from what to expect when working with designers as well as the trades. And from time to time, current events will seep their way into the conversation. In the meantime, sit back, relax, and listen. I am excited about today's guest. I can't even believe I am getting the chance to sit down with Christopher Peacock. I have been a fan since I don't know, maybe 2010, 2011, whenever I was, um, I'm going to say 2011, 2012 in that area. I went to his showroom at the DND uh, with my friends, Audrey, Marguerite, and Young Ha. And my husband joined us as well. And we were, you know, tucked in this little corner, just talking amongst each other and just really taking it in. It was really amazing. And I have to tell you, his cabinetry sets the bar. Like when you experience, walking through any of his showrooms, as soon as you cross that threshold, it transports you. And if you have not visited any of his showrooms, you need to run there now. It is amazing, the craftsmanship, the detail, and just the education that you get. And um, yeah, I'm super excited. I'm glad that he came on to the Design Perspectives podcast, because this is what it's about. It's about finding great people in this industry and them sharing nuggets of, you know, he's a brand, he's a real brand. And, you know, we talk about his branding. Um, we talk about his worth, his work ethic, um, team building, scaling. We talk about it all. I hope you enjoyed this interview as much as I did. I know I say that with everyone, but I have to tell you, people that come on to this podcast are really amazing and I'm super grateful and I am grateful to my listeners. So without further ado, here's Chris Peacock. Hey, Christopher, or should I just call you Chris? Cause that's how you answered. <laughs> Uh, Chris is fine. I, it, it's, you know, when, when I was younger, my mother would, if my mother was upset with me, it was always Christopher, but, um, uh, Chris is fine. It's the, most of my, my friends and people that know me call me Chris. So yeah, please Gail. It's Chris. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to get right to it. Your workmanship, your craftsmanship, your cabinetry is insane. I have a love affair with it. How did you get started and what made you say cabinetry is my niche well it's um it's funny really um it, it wasn't a passion of mine you know back when i got started um but it, it was kind of like a confluence of things that came together so so i grew up um as an only child in a house with parents who um my father was uh was worked for a large kind of um construction company but a company that built really big buildings in the city of london um and my mother was a t television executive who had a passion for design and and um fine things let's say they weren't particularly well healed but they you know were sort of typical middle class family on the outskirts of suburban london mm -hmm. um, but so i was kind of without realizing it i was surrounded by kind of a practical father who insisted on building things himself 
um, and um, a, a sort of a, a design influence mother who had very fine taste who really wouldn't buy things unless she could buy the best things you know so um so that was kind of what i grew up with um and i've always been very creative I, since i was a kid i think being an only child you spend a lot of time <laughs> yes you know in your bedroom kind of like listening to music or drawing or painting or mm -hmm. making models as a kid or whatever it may be and um but my passion actually was music, and 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 uh, I started off in the kitchen cabinet business as a side job because I was trying to be a professional musician as a drummer, and um, <laughs> that wasn't really working out. So I had no money, and I was about nineteen years of age. And um, a family contact said, "Hey, look, do you know, do you want to drive this delivery truck for us and deliver kitchen cabinets for us uh, whilst you're not being a musician?" And all of a sudden, I, I was sort of immersed into a world of design mm -hmm. and um cabinet making and um the more i got into it the more i was like i could i could do that you know i could do this I, and instead of being the guy who's loading the cabinets i became the guy who was talking to the clients and starting to design things and clients seemed to enjoy talking with me and i enjoy talking with them and mm -hmm. you know by the time i was sort of 21 22 i was really tapped into this practical approach of drawing and designing and understanding what that meant. So, so I got into it and it was in a very small company in the suburbs of London. And then I had an opportunity to, you know, go up, work up in London, um, in Terence Conrad's store in, 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 uh, in London. And, and there I was really exposed to real design and it just became a passion. Oh my goodness. So then, okay. So this all started in London. How did you make your way over to the States? And then say, and then just because your brand is, is you can't ignore it. It is right. just, it's amazing. Like you walk in, you're like, this is a Christopher Peacock kitchen. Like, I know, I know. Um, well, I, so I, um, well, I, I was, as I said, I was fortunate to work, to work in London um, and was exposed to a, you know, much higher level clientele and, and kind of honed my craft there, I guess. And then I had an opportunity to come over to work in the States for what was basically a two year gig. And um, I was 27, it was 1987. So it kind of tells you how old I am now, but I came over and um, I found myself quickly working for, uh, I, I, I was working for a German company and then quickly uh, was sort of poached to work for this British company called Smallbone, uh, who are, you know, yes. synonymous. Mm -hmm. I remember that. Whole that. And, and and who I had great respect for at the time, they're amazing. Um, and I, I worked for them for about five years and in New York City. And so that was also fantastic. It was the late 80s, early 90s. Um, but then the recession hit and actually they kind of went out of business and were sold and it wasn't a great time for them. Mm -hmm. And so I suddenly, you know, in the United States, um, my girlfriend from England had come over and become my wife and... It was like, well, what are we doing here? You know, here we are now, we're in our sort of early 30s and we've got to make a choice. So I decided there and then that I wanted to do this for myself. And um, I had all these ideas and these kind of, I felt that there was a niche um, mm -hmm. kind of bring this this aesthetic uh, and this, this sort of furniture making value. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't see it around me, to be honest with you. I was, I was sitting, sitting in a, in a a rental apartment in Greenwich, Connecticut. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to do it. And and I put my name on it and said, I'm, I'm going to start designing and making kitchens. And and I literally started from my living room. 
you know? Oh my goodness. So, okay, so you started that. How do you find the craftspeople? Because, you know, how how do you vet them yeah. to build? Because, you know, it's, um, it's kind of It's not easy, first of all, especially <laughs> as we've grown. I mean, back in the day, I didn't need many people, but, but um, there's, there's incredible craftsmanship in this country. I mean, it's, there really are, um, it, it's funny. I mean, I, I'm afraid of it sort of dying away these days, but, mm-hmm. but when I, I got started, um, there was uh, a real, you know, kind of depth of, uh, of, of people out there that, that were willing to buy into what I was trying to do. In fact, I found it quite easy because I found people like me that were frustrated with what they were doing and what they were making. And mm-hmm. I was very, and I still am very, very detailed and kind of a bit over the top sometimes about that stuff. But it, there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. And True. if I'm going to put my name in it, it's better be done in a way where I can go to sleep at night and not have to make an excuse, you know. So so I I, I, I kind of approach everybody that we work with today with that mantra, which is, you know, if you want to work here and if you want to work with me and if we're going to do something together, you kind of need to know that that's the goal. Right. Um, and so you go through people and some, sometimes it doesn't work out. And, and, and then I find that, you know, the group of people that I have working with me today, many of them have been with me for... 20, 25 years, you know, so we all have that in common. Wow. Just uh, once again, just really great. What are some of um, the lessons that you learn scaling your business and growing it? Because you open up a shop, like I said, I met you when you opened up uh, the Short Hills location and I was giddy as the day is long. And I was at the opening for the showroom at the D&D. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that was yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you um, how do you pick this and like how do you scale your business and how do you know now is the time to scale up and open up another location? It's a really good question. Um, well, the first thing is is that I think there's two 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 approaches. One is is that you know I'm always planning ahead and I'm always thinking about and looking for an opportunity, but that doesn't mean I'm going to do it necessarily. Um, the stars kind of have to align. So for me, opportunity presents itself. And I think it's about recognizing that and, mm-hmm. um, and just the experience of, I mean, first of all, look, it hasn't always been successful. I've, I've blown it a few times, you know, where particularly when I was younger and when I was trying to scale the business up, mm-hmm. um, you sort of think you're invincible because you have one success and then you apply the same set of rules and it doesn't work a second time. So, so you do learn sometimes by your mistakes. Well, I certainly have. Um, true, true, you do. And, and um, I think, you know, it has to be the, it's about the people that mm-hmm. you have working with you uh, that can 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 allow you to, to, to make the move, first of all, because it's not all you. You need people around you that can do that. Um, I think it's about the time, the location, and um, recognizing that moment, you know. So for me, I mean, I for you know this is our 30th year in business and for 30 years i mean we we have um seven locations in the us and then we have a couple of uh, international ones which are not mine mm-hmm. um those are kind of you know uh, um partnerships if you like but okay. but really over 30 years it could be a lot more than that but it's really a case of finding the right spot um and hoping that it's going to you know give you a lifetime's worth of business um so it's about the people. It's about recognizing when the stars align, I think. And that's, as I say, 
location is everything, uh, understanding the market, understanding who else is out there doing it, and um, jumping off the cliff and doing it at that point, you know? No, I, I completely get it. What are some of the lessons that you have learned that actually set the pace or actually the course where you're like, okay, I learned that, never doing that again, let me adjust this business model? Was it, well, what were some uh, of them? Yeah, no, I, th I think, um, and again, I, I think I've learned these lessons a long time ago. So I, want, I, I think for the last couple of decades, I haven't made so many of these mistakes. But when I was first starting out, um, I kind of got ahead of myself. And I thought that, uh, you know, if you, if, you, if you kind of follow this plan, it, you can repeat, 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 and, and it'll work. And mm -hmm. it doesn't. And I think I moved too fast in some instances. And um, the thing is, is that business takes a long time. You know, just because you open up a store or a location, it doesn't mean that um, money's going to start flowing immediately. It takes a long time to establish a location and a, and a business. And I think of each of our locations really as mini businesses unto themselves. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I think it, it takes twice as long as you think it's going to. So you have to be prepared for that. Right. Uh, that's a big one. Um, and that you can never get too hands off. Um, I'm very fortunate and that I've got some really great people that, you know, make me look good every day of the week. But, mm -hmm. but at the same time, if, if you want to have, if you, if you want to scale something and not lose quality and not lose reputation and not lose the, the, the things that got you there in the first place, you have to be fully immersed in it, you know, and here I am now just over 60 years of age. Um, I still feel as energetic about it today, thank God, as I did years ago. Um, and I'm fully immersed in it. In fact, I'm busier than I've ever been. And, and, um, uh, and I think you have to do that. If that's, if that's your plan, right. you know, um, you, you, you can't let go. You've got to be in it. You've really got to be working hard. There's no, there's no shortcuts. I love that. I love that. And, and it's funny too, because you look at your brand and you think this happened overnight. <laughs> you know, yeah. and and then you're like, nope, nope, that didn't happen overnight. That that wasn't it at all. Like it was a long night. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's funny, isn't it? Because you you know you you sort of turn around. I mean, uh, we as I say, we're celebrating our thirtieth year, and that's kind of mind blowing to me because first of all, it doesn't feel like it, mm -hmm. um, and it really does feels like we're just getting going, which is crazy. But but uh, but then it does. If I then if I do look back and I think about all the things that we've done and the places that I've been and people that I've met, it's, it's, it's incredible, but, but I, I'm the kind of person, and I think most entrepreneurs really are like this in that you don't look backwards. You're only ever looking forwards. You know, I mean, what's done is done. Um, True. you care about it, but it's right. to me, you're always trying to reach a goal that you're never going to get to, you know? Um, so I don't sit and, Oh, you know, wax lyrically about, my past to right. me it's all about well what are we doing next you know right well you did uh say that you're only as good as your last project like you have yeah. to supersede that how do you how do you keep that going like what how do you go okay that was amazing how can i top that like what what is your thought process or what makes you go uh, oh, i gotta do better well, than I, that. I think you know you could first of all i think it's either in you or it's not i mean for me for better or worse sometimes because you know everyone needs a break but for better or worse i'm never really disconnected from what i do mm -hmm. 
it really is. I think for any of us, I'm sure you, I know you're the same as me. It, it's it's 24 yes. seven, and it's not because it's because you want it to be that way. You know, even if you don't want to admit it. Um, so I'm always thinking about, oh, wouldn't that be great? Or I, I get inspiration as well a lot. I love to travel, and you know, I see things. I'll see a piece of furniture or. or you know, I don't know, I saw a piece of luggage the mm-hmm. other day with this really cool kind of handle on it. I thought, wow, that would be a really cool handle for a kitchen cabinet, you know, and, and right. there's, you you find inspiration. So for me, it just, it's a constant thing. It's not, it's not work for me to do that. I, I, I find inspiration and, and see things and I'm motivated by success. And, and I don't mean financial success right. at all, but success for me is, wasn't that so cool that we did that? And like, we've got this to look forward to, and that would be amazing. And I, and I, I'm also motivated by the people I work with who, you know, I feel a responsibility to kind of bring them along for the ride as it right. were. Uh-huh. Um, so it's all of those things. I, I, I guess, I guess that's what you call passion, right? I, I guess yeah. it's a passion. <laughs> yes. Because that's the other thing people like you, you, um, you have to be passionate about what you do. And I said, yeah, but you also have to, you're creative and you have to at times step away and do nothing to clear your mind because then that's when like more ideas and um, creativity sparks. One, least, oh my God, you, right? you are so right. I mean, what, the, the, the thing that I, like, I, I mean, it's, it's I, I, I guess I'm OCD. I don't know. I hope I'm not too OCD, but like for me, um, I, I don't begin to get creative unless I've answered all the emails and I've done everything that I need to do. Um, I kind of need everything to be put in its place so that my head is clear. And the minute that happens, it's like a vacuum. Suddenly I start thinking of stuff to, to draw or to, to, you know, to, to make or something. And I need to have a clear head to do it. If not, uh, the clutter of every day gets in the way of the creativity. And it's something that I consciously have to fight against because right. – you can easily forget to be creative. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Uh, Yesterday, I I went uh, to our local pool and I just sat in the water and I would like take a deep breath and then just like, you know, sit at the bottom and then come back up. And I was like, I just need to clear my mind. I just need to clear. That's all I kept thinking to myself. I just need to clear my mind. And just because it's quiet under the water, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's funny. I, um, I went through a period of where I was like swimming every single day. I was going to the local uh, bars and, and, you know, six o'clock in the morning and swimming and um, I ate to sort of be healthy, but it was an amazing time to kind of get your thoughts together because it's just you and the water and no one else, no one can get you, you know? So yeah, I get it. Yeah. And it's funny because if people are are around and they're talking, I'm like, Oh, just submerge yourself. You you won't hear it. (laughs) (laughs) You could just, (laughs) <laughs> I'm, I'm going underwater stay away from me i'm like i just need some fresh ideas some fresh things yeah. um yeah. what okay so when you bring people on to open your showrooms or to work for you what do you look for in the individuals to make sure like they're the perfect fit or they're the right fit for the christopher peacock um, brand well I, character and personality is really important and 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 and, you know, I mean, listen, listen, there are lots of people that come to us and they've got the skill set, but it's more than that. You've, 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 I guess I look for kind of a, some, a bit of myself in other people is, is what I would say is that I want them to buy into 
what we're trying to achieve and do um, as much as I'm, you know, looking for their, their skill. I mean, everybody that works here represents the company and represents me. And mm-hmm. um, I need to be confident that they, they do that well. Um, so they've got to be nice people. That's the first thing. I mean, I've really got to like them and they've got to have a personality, which is um, endearing and, and caring. And, you know, you've, you've just got to be a good person, first right. of all. Um, and um, that they understand that you have to work hard. Um, you know, I'm not, I, I'm driven, but I'm not, I'm not the crazy guy to work for. But at the same time, you know, to, out of respect for everybody else that's here, people have got to be understand. You've got to get on board. You've got to work hard. And right. and uh, um, and and then it's just having a, a big dose of common sense, and it, that is more valuable than most people realize it's amazing how many people don't have common sense in oh my yeah opinion. yeah i always tell people that they're like well the, you know everyone should have common sense i said but perhaps their common sense is not yours yeah that's true, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh, um, so i don't know i mean obviously there's you know you want the skill set um and the talent but but you want somebody who, who's able to deliver their talent and to deliver their message in a way which propels it forward successfully and so i i think it's as much about the character mm-hmm. the personality uh, as it is the skill set you know um because they they are ultimately a reflection of you and your brand and i think being on brand is is critical to uh, you know to the whole thing true um last question before we go what mm-hmm. would 60-year-old Christopher or Chris tell 30-year-old Chris about this business or just about life in general? What is the one bit of advice you would give to younger Chris? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, God, I, I, I really feel like I should give that a lot of thought, but um, enjoy the ride. It's the journey, not the destination, for sure. Love that. Um, very much about that. You know, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. Um, don't get too caught up in your own bs right you know? right um and um at, always think of always think of it from the other person's point of view that's the lesson that i've learned is that you know you can go out there and you can you can you know drive your your your, your story forward mm-hmm. um interact with people but you have to look at it from that from the, the recipient's point of view and think about how they're hearing what you're saying and what are they understanding out of this and what are they getting out of this? And I think that if you have that perspective, mm-hmm. uh, you, you are, you have to be more successful. Um, if you are, if you are just, you know, just going for it, uh, you, without having that awareness, then yeah, you'll fail. And I, and I think that 30 year old Chris had a bit of that and, and 60 year old Chris has hopefully learned otherwise. <laughs> well, you this has been an amazing interview and i'm so grateful to have this time with you before oh, we go I, as i said to you, i mean gail you know i i love what you do i think oh thank you your your work is incredible the, the colors it's just so rich and so uh inviting i, I love what you do so it's mutual i'm, I'm thrilled to be doing this <laughs> thank you so much before we go please tell the people where they can find you what is your instagram and i'm sure well i can tell them your website is christopher peacock i mean it's just really amazing people you have to go see his story and it's just if 
if you don't know his cabinetry, then you just don't know heaven and you have to find a location. (laughs) And listen, I think that, thank you for saying all of that, um, (laughs) that we always, if, if somebody wants to learn about us, I would always encourage you to go to see us in a showroom somewhere. Um, and, and they're listed on our website, our locations, um, we're around the country, but, um, because I think it's very experiential. So, you know, um, we have a great Instagram uh, at Christopher Peacock, and and our our website is actually peacockhome.com. Yes. Um, and so so those are good places to start. But we would always encourage you to come and see us in a showroom because unless you see, you know, you see it and you sort of you you use it and open it and touch it and you never get that same um, that same feel um, than you do with with the pictures. So so I'd, I'd love people to come visit us. But uh, yeah, Instagram, our Instagram's great, or the website is always a good place to start. And come see us. We, we don't buy it. We're actually very friendly. Yeah, r- <laughs> really, when you go into the showroom, it is, I always feel transported when I go in and I'm like, this is just so amazing. Like, it's just divine. It is simply amazing. And I can't thank well, you enough. God, thank you so much. I need to just can, can that and <laughs> play that for everybody. <laughs> well, just tell them to call me. <laughs> I will. Hell, I, I will. I hope to see you bump into you soon somewhere. We're going to make it happen. Thank you so yeah. much. Oh, it's a total pleasure. Thank you, girl. I really appreciate it. Yay. Thank you for listening to the Design Perspectives podcast. As always, I'm your host, Gail M. Davis. I really appreciate you listening. Please don't forget to rate me on iTunes. It is super important and will help people to find where we are located. And the Design Perspectives podcast is also available on Design Network Platform. Thank you so much. Enjoy your day.